good morning to all of us in the building, as well as those that are listening to the podcast. I sound like a proper radio presenter when I say that. But uh, as you know, we have all of the Father's House sermons uploaded onto SoundCloud and Spotify. So if you ever miss a message or want to share it with someone, you're welcome to log on to either of those two platforms. Uh, search for Father's House Church, Jeffreys Bay, and you will get a... Oh, check out this. Service with a smile. Thank you, sir. And you'll get a recording of the message. Um, but just at, at the start of today's message, um, I wanted just to actually take a moment um, and acknowledge the really uh, positive feedback that we've received uh, from the series so far. Uh, if you're just joining us this morning, we're in a three-week series called Hearing God. It's been about how do we position ourselves to hear His voice better and clearer in our lives. Uh, and last week, I shared on, on three myths that needed uh, debunking as we lay the foundation for that. Uh, and, the, and the responses were, were really, really uh, uh, encouraging to hear. So thank you so much for everyone that uh, shared that with me. It seems like it brought some clarity and, and, and settled some uh, uncertainties uh, on that topic. So I really am grateful for that. It, it definitely feels like God wants to release and impart something on this topic uh, to us as a church uh, in this in this season. Uh, and there's there's an author and, and a preacher called Nathan Finocchio who actually wrote a book called Hearing God that's that's been a big uh, inspiration for me uh, for this series. It's something to uh, consider getting, I think, um, adding to your library of books, you know, bring a little bit of color among all the shades of gray. On the, on the library stand, I'm just looking down, I don't know who that was for. Uh, <laughs> Terrible joke, I'm kidding. But I, I think it's good that we add some extra reading, right? Um, and remember, I don't know why I felt prompted to share this this morning. One hour of church on a Sunday should never replace one's own spending time with God during the week. Is that a fair thing to say? One's own time of meditation and devotion. Your church can top you up. It'll encourage you. It'll challenge you. It'll equip you. But it should never replace the quiet time that you have with God during the week. It should support that and add to that. So I really would encourage you, uh, church, to, to do some personal reflection on, on, on this topic and read some extra scriptures. Build up your resource. Gain some extra insight as we journey through this topic. There's so much more to be said on these topics than what we can fit into just half an hour on a Sunday. Um, and on that point quickly, just before I get into our conversation this morning, we, we, we often get asked, I know I should read the Bible, but I don't know where to start or how to begin. Help me. It's a very, very popular question, and it's, a, and it's a valid one. It's one that I personally also struggled with for quite some time. Like, I know I'm supposed to read this book, but how? I don't know really where to start. Well, as an idea, partner with what the church is doing on a Sunday. Go, go with that current message theme. And Google scriptures on hearing God's voice, for example, and keep reading from there. You know, do, do, a, do a reading plan on the YouVersion Bible app. Incredible app, free of charge, downloadable on your smartphone. And, and, and ask the Holy Spirit to bring those scriptures to life. Start there. Start with that. Start with the very basics. And, and this is the beauty. Anyone can do it. Anyone can start by just putting this little bit of effort into this connection that we're talking about that God so desperately desires from us as his kids. And I mean, that's a really good formula to to start with right from the beginning. Just go with the theme and Google some extra scriptures. And on that point, um, is it okay if I do a little bit of Bible study 101 at the beginning of the message? Because it's actually going to tie into the conversation. Um, this might help someone when it comes to reading scripture. R read the scriptures through the filter of the original meaning that the author of the book intended to get across, not the filter of what we assume it to mean. Does that make sense? 
Read the scripture through the filter of what the, of, of, of what the original author intended to mean, not our own interpretation of what it should mean. Why, you know, what, what do I mean by that? We can sometimes twist the meaning of words to suit our own preferences, right? Uh, we, we, we read what is written and then we tell ourselves something about what is written and we miss the original meaning. For example, you, so you, you go, God, show me a verse, and he takes you to Ephesians 4.25, which says, Therefore, putting away lying, speak the truth, each one to his neighbor, because we are all members of one another. So you read that verse and you go, Oh, you know what, eh? Neighbor. Yeah, my neighbor. Bob, he really needs to hear this verse. And you go, hey, Bob, I found this verse for you. I feel the Lord telling me to share this verse with you. And you send it off to Bob. And Bob gets the text and he reads, Putting away lying, speak the truth, each one to his neighbor. Oh, so you tell the truth to your neighbor. That's what I think it means. So I don't have to really tell the truth to my colleagues. You know, that's, uh, they're clowns anyway. They won't get the truth anyway, even if you hit them in the face. So that's fine. Thank you, Lord, for your voice in my life. You understand what I mean? It's a really simple example, but do you understand what I'm trying to say? We have to read scripture. We have to read, read, read the Bible with the author, the audience, and the absolute in mind. If you're the note-taking type, maybe you want to jot those three things down. The author, the audience, and the absolute Read, read scripture with those three things in mind. The author, who was writing this letter or this prophecy and why was he writing it? The audience, who was he writing to and what was the situation that they were in when they received this letter? And then what's the absolute? In other words, what's the timeless truth that you can find in this passage? I want to give you a practical example. 2 Corinthians 13, 12. It says, greet one another with a holy kiss. All the saints send you greetings. Now, you might think that's an absolute uh, principle today, and you might even try it, but you'll probably end up in jail if you had to do this, greet one another with a holy kiss. What, what, is the, what, is the, what is the relative practice to those people? Well, that's how they used to greet one another in that time, in that culture, right? But, but I mean, in the same way, if, if I had to write Dylan a letter in, you know, 30 years from now, and some guy in France picked it up and said, you know, uh, uh, Dil, uh, would you would you say how's it to the rest of the band for me and give them a fist pump? The the, the Frenchman's probably not going to say to his fellow Frenchman how's it. You know, see what I'm saying? It's it's the it's the cultural greeting of the town. That was the relative principle. What's the absolute principle? What's the timeless truth? Be kind to one another. That's what he's saying. Practice hospitality. Be friendly. Do you guys understand what I'm saying? You, you, you see that's, a, that's why it's really important just to always read Scripture through those three filters, the audience, or the, the, the author, the audience, and the absolute. Read it with that framework in mind and watch what the Holy Spirit does as you, as you do that. Amen. Okay, so thank you for, for uh, humoring me there with a little bit of Bible study 101. I don't know why I felt like I should have shared that this morning. So a quick little recap of the goal of our series on hearing God. It's been devoted to helping us gain a better understanding of how to hear God's voice for our lives. And how to tell the difference between God's voice, our own voice, and the enemy's voice by positioning ourselves well to hear what he has to say. And we said last week that God, God is speaking, right? We made that case that God is communicating always with us. Creation itself is revealing the glory of God. And our role as part of this ongoing relationship with him is that we need to grow and, and mature and develop in our understanding of what it is that he's calling us to do. God is perfect. We're growing. We established that fact last week. And we said that part of this is to begin by debunking some myths that surround this topic of hearing God's voice. And, and does he still speak, you, speak, speak to his people? So for a three-bedroom, two-bathroom flat in heaven, who can remember the three, the three myths that we debunked last week? First one, God does not have a 
Communication problem, yes. For 50 rankies for you. Not for not. Second one. God's spoken word will never contradict his written word. And then finally, you will know God's voice by the peace you'll experience and the fruit it will produce in your life. All the saints said amen. But we said last week that that, that was kind of the foundation, right? And then we're going to look at the life of John, the disciple John in the series. And consider just a few of the things that his gospel reveals to us that really helps us in terms of our ability to hear God's voice better. There's some very unique and very powerful elements in the Gospel of John that are really, really helpful in guiding us along this journey. And this is, this is what the goal of this morning is going to be, is, 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 is going to be together. We're going to, we're going to look at what are some of the things that the voice of God typically does in our lives. What does his voice accomplish in us when he speaks? Week one, we said God is speaking. We need to tune into that. Now this week, let's look at what, is, what does his voice do? What, is it, what does it accomplish? Um, if, you, if you imagine for a moment that God's voice is like a signal that's being transmitted over a radio station, right? Imagine for a moment that this radio station is called Earth, and we're all on it, right? There's constantly the signal traveling through the sound waves. God is always communicating. Our job as his followers, is to ensure that we tune in to that correct frequency, right? That we dial into and receive the message that he's broadcasting, as it were, from heaven to us. And looking at the account of, this, of, of the Gospel of John, we'll discover how our relationship to God directly influences how well we hear from God. That's the point. That's the that's the crux of John's gospel, so that, so that we receive this, that signal and cooperate with God to allow his goals to be accomplished. Because here's the thing, you know, we can ignore the messages that are being sent, right? It's possible. You can just dial out the frequency. Ever jumped in your car and you listen to, you know, Radio Kingfisher, Christian radio station, you don't particularly like the song, you just dial off, right? You just turn down the volume. Same thing, God is always broadcasting his messages, but we sometimes as people can ignore those messages and dial out of that frequency. First, first Thessalonians 5, 19, it's all on the screen. It says, do not quench or do not stifle the spirit. Amazing thought to think that we could quench or stop or hinder the spirit of God from being at work in our lives. But one of the ways that we do that is by ignoring the voice of God, ignoring the promptings and what he's saying to us. And it's, it's so important that we don't fall into that because we'll be missing out on so much life and freedom if we do. You know, John 10, which we'll read just now, it literally says that God came to give us life and life in all its fullness. And when we dial out that signal, it's like, we, it's like we're closing the tap on this plan that God has for us. It must be, we, we must be led by the Spirit of God. This is how we step into this freedom that we've been talking about. And you know, tuning out or, or dialing down the frequency is like having that one friend that's, that's constantly talking over you. <laughs> Does anyone have a friend that's just very loud? that is very keen on, on talking, not really keen on listening. Uh, if you don't have a friend and you don't know who that is, chances are it's you. Um, you know, but in our same way, in our relationship with God, we're, we're, we're sometimes keen to do the talking, not so keen to put in the effort of listening, right? We, sometimes we just need to just be still, just pause, take a breath, get quiet, and just receive, just dial in. And by the way, if you're here this morning or if you're listening to the podcast and you've, and you've perhaps never stopped to consider 
what the voice of God sounds like for you or why it's even important to hear it. I want to, I want to encourage you this morning that, that this might be the morning where things finally begin to make sense for you. Because the word that God might be speaking over you this morning is a word of salvation. This is why we gather as the church. It's to, it's to reveal the power of the cross. And, and, and God has been speaking to you. Maybe you've just not recognized his voice. And this morning I feel like God might be saying to someone, enough of trying to figure things out in your own way. Enough of dialing out and ignoring the frequency. Just, just trust him. Trust him that your sins are forgiven, your debts paid, your eternal future is secure, and you have joy for tomorrow because of the Holy Spirit who's in you through your God. Just the word is say yes to the invitation this morning and just receive that gift. I felt like there was something I should share. Be still and know that he is God. Be still and know that he is God, Psalm 46. So, friends, if we said that we want to discover how our relationship with God affects how well we hear from him, it's also important to mention just one or two little things quickly. If you're not near to God, it doesn't mean that you're excluded from hearing him. I think it's important that we say that, right? Uh, remember what we said last week about the Apostle Paul? This was a guy that actively persecuted the church. Not very near to God in his actions, right? Yet he very clearly heard the audible voice of the Lord on the road to Damascus in Acts chapter 9. I mean, um, not that you want to have to go blind for a couple of days and tremble at the voice of God and, you know, be frightened by his voice before you hear him. I mean, there's easier ways of hearing God's voice, right? You don't want to necessarily have to get to that point. I mean, if it wasn't for the fact that God did that to Paul, he probably wouldn't have heard him. Um, but this is what we're referring to here is in our ongoing relationship with Jesus, how can we learn to be in a deeper personal conversation with him as part of that relationship? This is where we're going. And this is where John's gospel comes to the fore. Because you see, John had a very unique understanding of who Jesus was. And he had a very unique understanding of who he was in Jesus. It's a very unique and very personal understanding. And a couple of reasons why, why I say that. You know, John, John was the last of the disciples at the cross. He was the last guy there. And he was the first guy at the tomb on Sunday morning. He was, he was the first guy there. He was the guy that Jesus essentially said or, or, or asked to look after his mom after he passed away, Mary. While he's at the cross, Jesus says, John. Yeah, here's, here's your mother. It's a really, really personal account. And in terms of, of, of John's gospel, about 80% of what he wrote down is unique. It's very unique. It's telling us things that the other three gospels don't. Matthew, Mark, and Luke. Your Bible knowledge, church, I love it. Um, but this, 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 this gospel gives us a very, very unique insight into, into who Jesus is. And as we know, John wrote the most famous verse in the Bible. Another Heaven point for someone? 316, know you get a Ferrari on the streets of gold. Um, for God so loved the world, right? John wrote that verse, the most famous and most quoted verse, verse in the whole Bible. The Gospel of John also contains what is known as the seven I am statements of Jesus. The I am statements are seven statements found in the Gospel of John that each reveal part of Jesus' divine character. It, it, it describes his connection with the Father. He says, I am, and then lists, lists these things. They're, they're profound declarations of who Jesus is. So there, there, there seems to be this, this greater understanding and recognition of who Jesus is that, that, that this disciple John had. Kind of seems like he had the unique perspective. John also had a unique title for himself. Quite an interesting thing. He was the only disciple who called himself the disciple whom Jesus loved. It's quite an interesting title. I mean, it 
it's almost a bit presumptuous in a way. You know, it's like, who are you? I'm the disciple whom Jesus loved. And it seems a bit, at first glance, you're like, how do you know that? <laughs> you know, what, what could cause you to refer to yourself by such a heading? But this is the thing that we discover in looking at the life of John when it comes to our ability to hear God's voice clearly as part of our relationship with him. It was John's proximity to Jesus that produced a greater revelation of Jesus. This is the thing. You see, it's the closeness that determines the depth. This is what we find from John's gospel. It's the, the closer you position yourself to Jesus, the easier it will be to recognize when something is from him. This is the, this is the key. And it deepens your understanding of what he wants to accomplish in your life. I guess you could call this simple concept your following distance. That's what it is. It's your following distance. The proximity that you have, not that God has, because we know we're the ones that change, the, the proximity you have in relation to how closely you follow him. You know, following distances are a thing, right? They're, they're a thing in church. They're a thing in life. You know, we often say as Father's House that, that we recognize and respect the fact that everyone has a following distance when it comes to their relationship with God. And we're, and we're mindful of those differences when it comes to how we structure our Sunday worship experience and how we express our freedom. That's what guides our strategy in terms of how our Sunday worship experiences take place. You know, just because someone is further behind on their journey than you or has a, a greater following distance than, than you, it doesn't mean that we should look down on them. It doesn't mean that we should make it harder for them to get to see Jesus. Can you say amen to that? Just like someone kept the door open for us, we should always be mindful of keeping the door open for the next person. And we've got people from all kinds of walks of life and careers and church experiences and careers meeting together in the same place. And that's the beauty of Father's House. It's a safe place for, for everyone and anyone to experience an authentic relationship with Jesus, no matter what the past is, no matter what the following distance is. And we'll keep encouraging people to take one step closer towards Jesus in, in, in that relationship. And so we're, we're, we're aware that these following distances are real. And just picture this in the context of this, of this passage in, in, in John. This, this would have been like when Jesus moved through the various towns. You know, he didn't just stay in one place. He walked from town to town and place to place, preaching and healing the sick and fulfilling his ministry. There were hundreds of people that followed him, hundreds of people that followed him as he went from place to place. You know, and some people, they would have followed him from a distance. They would have had many other people standing between them and where Jesus was. Others would have followed him closer. Perhaps they might have even been able to see the footprints that he left on the dusty roads as he, as he walked. And then others still like the woman in Mark chapter 5, verse 25, that had this illness for years. She pressed right through the crowd and touched the hem of his garment. She came right up to Jesus and that's where she received her breakthrough. And then, of course, still there were the disciples that were with Jesus, even when he was outside of the crowds, even when Jesus was in those quiet places. Just imagine that conversation, just him and his 12. You see, that's, by the way, what, actually, what, what true discipleship actually looks like. It's being willing to follow Jesus even when everyone else leaves and it no longer seems like the popular opinion to do so. But coming back to our, our topic for this morning, it's, it's a powerful thought to realize that the closer we are in our proximity to Jesus, the greater our revelation of him becomes. And we can, we can learn, according to this gospel in John, how we can reposition our proximity to gain a deeper understanding of who he is. The title of the message this morning is The Reset. And um, we're going to look at a passage from John chapter 13 and draw some ideas that help us along this way, help us reposition ourselves so that we hear his voice clearer. Just by the way, the context of this, this is the Last Supper. 
Jesus is about to be crucified. The disciples have walked with him three years. They've learned from him. They've seen all the incredible things he does. And this is where he models for them. And he washes their feet and they have community. He models for them what, what it's going to look like after he's, after, he's, after he's passed. And this is kind of his final conversation with them, I guess. And he says this in John chapter 13, verses 21 to 25. When Jesus had said this, talking about Judas, who was about to betray him, he was troubled in his spirit and he testified, truly I tell you, one of you will betray me. The disciples started looking at one another. Just imagine this, you're at, this, you're at the supper table with Jesus, last time you're going to have a meal, and he just says, one of you will betray me. It's like, who? Who is this guy? Who? Who? It's panic. The disciples started looking at one another, uncertain which one he was speaking about. One of the, one of the disciples, the one Jesus loved, there it is, that's John referring to himself, was reclining close beside Jesus. Let's pause there for a moment. He was reclining close beside Jesus. What was interesting to, to find out in, in, in researching this, this, this topic is that these types of supper situations were not like our dining room table, right? This long table that you all sat around with high chairs. It was more like three long couches with a central table in the middle, about niha. So the way you would have these meals is you would actually lie on your left-hand side. You would recline on the couch and then kind of share the meal in that way, very much on sort of a lazy boy style, if I can call it that. So if you've got 12 guys lying around these couches, you're pretty close to the person on your left, right? You're, you're lying right next to them, basically, so that you can eat with your right hand. And this is John. John finds himself on Jesus' right-hand side. So he's right there. He's right there by him. Uh, the, the one who Jesus loved was reclining close beside Jesus. Then Simon Peter, verse 24, motions to him to find out who it was he was talking about. And so John leaned back against Jesus. The imagery there is that he literally leaned back against his chest. Like, that's how close he was. He leaned back into Jesus' chest and asked him, Lord, who is it? There's a few fascinating, fascinating pieces of information from, from the scripture. Firstly, um, we all know who Simon Peter was, right? Simon Peter Act now, think some later, guy. Like, cut the air off the servant, jump into the water. Jesus, call me off the boat. Like, just go, go, go. I'll think and talk about it afterwards. He's the guy that asked the disciple who Jesus loved what the answer was. Interesting that. The all-in, all-action guy is the one that asks John, the disciple whom Jesus loved, to ask Jesus for the answer. It was the one closest to Jesus who got to hear the answer straight from his mouth. There's something to note there about the proximity to Jesus that produces a first-hand greater revelation of him that's super important. And I think, I think the closer we position ourselves to Jesus, the less confused we'll be about whether we heard his voice clearly or not. The closer we get to Jesus, the less confused we'll be, the less influenced we'll be by other voices in our lives that try and tell us who we are the less worried we'll be about what anyone else speaks over your life when you've heard firsthand from Jesus himself. You know, I guess this is a question to ask us this morning, church. In the, in the seating arrangement of your life, where are you sitting at the table relative to where Jesus is? Are you near him? Or are you at a distance? Like those who followed Jesus in the crowds at a distance, how many, how many other people are sitting in the way between you and your Redeemer? Something just to think about, where we've placed him. Talking about how sometimes we can tune out the voice of God in our lives. Well, perhaps this is a good question to ask ourselves this morning is, where have we seated ourselves at the table? Because guess what Psalm 23 says? You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. 
Where do we find ourselves at that table? And you see, when you are closely following Jesus, the one who hung on the cross for you, you no longer worry about the shadow of your past that is following you. That's the revelation of what it is. When you are following the one who hung on that cross for you, you no longer worry about the shadow of your past that was following you. Christ is the Redeemer. Amen. Get close to him and receive the revelation of his love that he wants to speak over you. And you know, you might, you might be thinking this morning, and to be honest, I also had this thought, I'm not the disciple John. You know, I mean, great for him. He's like Jesus' best friend by the sounds of it. You know, he can, he can find himself there. Just remember, this is about growing in intimacy with Jesus. We have the Bible that records the words that Jesus spoke. That's a really great help when it comes to growing and understanding. And just, and just understand, friends, that through the Holy Spirit, this kind of relationship is possible. Just like relationships with our friends and family and spouses and people, that those relationships can grow in intimacy when we place ourselves at his feet and say, Lord, what are you saying? Just, just recline into him at the table this morning. So I realize that I've still got quite a few points to make and we are already at 30 minutes past 10. So we're going to go till one. I'm kidding. Just relax. It's okay. I do just want to mention one or two things just quickly in terms of what does the voice of God sound like when we're tuned into this correct frequency? Is it okay if I just go five more minutes and then we'll have Father's Day lunch? Don't worry. The bride's not going to go anywhere. Uh, two things. Two things quickly that the voice of God accomplishes in your lives when we tuned into that frequency. The first one, it helps us recognize our true identity. When you listen to the voice of God, when you, when you hear him speak, when you're close to him, when you've positioned yourself close to him in proximity, that voice accomplishes you recognizing your true identity. Friends, this, this topic of identity is a massive one right now. There are so many voices that have spoken over and influenced people into believing that they are something else when really they're not. And could I, could I just suggest a biblical response to the question of identity for a moment? The, the question of labeling as I've come to understand it. Because I think that's what a lot of it is. It's a label, right? It's a label that people put on themselves that covers up what's really going on on the inside. And it, it reflects outwardly a false representation of what's happening internally. And, and, and this, is, this would be my biblical response to that. You can put as many labels onto a broken soul as you want. And you can call yourself by whatever earthly name you can think of. Only the voice of God has the power to call you by your true heavenly name. Only the voice of God has the power to call you by your true heavenly name, by your born again name by the name you've been joined to Christ with, the one who created you in the first place, by the name you'll be known by when you enter into eternity with Jesus if you've placed your faith and your trust in him. As we said last week, the world can celebrate what you've done, but only God can call out who you will become. Here's, here's the verse that talks about our heavenly name, Revelation 2, verse 17. It says, Let anyone who has ears to hear listen to what the Spirit says to the churches, to the one who conquers I will give some of the hidden manna. Talking about Jesus, he sustained the people in the, the, the uh, Israelites in the, in the wilderness. I will also give him a white stone and on the stone a new name is inscribed that no one knows except the one who receives it. It's an amazing thing to know that, that God has this new name for us and, and we need to be in close proximity to Christ to hear him whisper our true identity to us. You know, John 
was the only disciple who called himself by that name, the one whom Jesus loved. Is it any wonder that he sat closest to Jesus at the Last Supper? (laughs) It's no wonder. Friends, I guess a good question to ask is, whose voice holds the most weight in your life right now? Whose voice is speaking that identity over you? Whose voice is speaking that guidance over you? Maybe, maybe it's time to just rethink who we've placed at the head of our table to ensure that we are, that we are in close proximity and we have placed Christ at the head so that we can live out our true identity and calling as his followers. And then secondly, and I'll close with this, with this thought, hearing the voice of God sounds like it accomplishes us reimagining our capacity. First one, it helps us live in our true identity. Secondly, it helps us reimagine our capacity. Imagine for a moment you were at the scene where the first disciples were called. There you are, chilling on the beach with your family, with your friends, busy going about the business of casting your nets into the sea. Fishing, right? I tell my wife all the time, fishing is biblical, so just let me go. Um, Terrible application. The author, Lloyd, the audience, the absolute. Remember how to read scripture. But there you are. You're sitting on the beach. You're doing what you know best. You're doing what you need to do to provide an income for your family, right? No education, no experience in ministry, just plain old fishermen. And then this happens. Matthew chapter 4, verse 18 to 22. While walking by the Sea of Galilee, Jesus saw two brothers, Simon, who's called Peter, speaking about a name change, and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. And Jesus said to them, follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. Immediately. Can you do a cheesy thing for me and say the word immediately? Immediately. They left their nets, they left what they knew behind, and they followed him. And going on from there, he saw two other brothers, James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, in the boat with Zebedee, their father, mending the nets. And he called them immediately. They left the boat and their father and followed him. Friends, what was it in the sound of Jesus' voice that caused them to drop everything they knew? Their comfort zone, their career, their calling, even their father, <laughs> and follow him. You see, it's, it's only the sound of the voice of God that can cause you to reimagine your capacity. From fishers of fish to fishers of men. Fishermen by trade, disciple by calling. You're a fisherman now, guys, but I'm entrusting you with the message of my gospel that's going to go out into the entire world. Friends, I'm telling you, when the Lord speaks a word over you, it accomplishes a reimagining of your capacity. It, it, it reawakens what you think you're capable of because of the one who dwells in you. Maybe you think you aren't qualified enough. Listen to his voice that's speaking confidence over you. You think you've messed up too much. Listen to his voice that's speaking forgiveness and freedom over you that's causing you to rise up again. You think you couldn't possibly reach for that dream, that goal that's been burning in your heart? Listen to his voice. Speak faith and belief in his name over you and trust him that his word will never return to him void. Can you say amen to that this morning? And friends, perhaps... Just as we, as we come to a, to a close, we've had some fresh, fresh inspiration, fresh encouragement on a couple of things. Number one, we want to make sure that we get close to Jesus, right? We want to be in close proximity to him so that we develop a deeper revelation of him. This helps in hearing his voice because in, in order to be in this ongoing intimate relationship with him, we need, to, we need to tune into his frequency, right? We need to be close enough to hear what he's saying. And then when we do that, we begin to reimagine our identity, number two. We allow the Lord to speak our true identity, our true name. Not what the world says, 
Not the labels that we've put on ourselves even, but what the Lord says. We allow that to rise up on, on the inside of us. And then finally, we, when we hear his voice by tuning into what he has to say, we reimagine our capacity. We are more than conquerors through him who loved us. We are more than conquerors through him who loved us. I've got, I've got one more verse to share with you. I know Pastor George mentioned it during the Eden series. When a preacher says, in conclusion, it means nothing because he's going to make another point. But this, I promise you, is going to be the last verse. And then Jesse from Bedar is going to take us away on, on week three uh, of the series with some, with some uh, practical and spiritual steps next week. But maybe, maybe you still feel like hearing God's voice is out of reach. Maybe you've listened to the messages, you've li- thought about the scriptures, and there could just be this very real sense that it sounds great, but is it really for me? You know, Maybe I'm just not meant to or, or cut out to hear his voice. Here's a promise from the Lord that I want to leave you with this morning as we, as we close. And it's kind of a reference to Father's Day, I guess, in a way as well. Matthew 7, verse 7 to 11. It says, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives. And the one who seeks finds. And, the, and to the one who knocks, the door will be opened. Who among you, if his son asks him for, for bread, will give him a stone. Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a snake. Of course you won't. If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give good things to those who ask him? It's a wonderful promise. It's a wonderful promise. It's a wonderful truth in Scripture that when we ask God, Lord, help me hear your voice better. According to that verse, it'll be done. And you say amen to that this morning, church. Would you mind standing with me as we close in, the, in, in a word of prayer? I'm going to just take a moment and wrap up for us before we, be, uh, before we head on out with the rest of our day. Uh, as you know, there's coffee available at the coffee counter. You can now buy a loyalty card, uh, as well as some, uh, some prayer requests and some personal prayer as well, if you'd like to come up front afterwards and meet some of our team. But yeah, let's just take a moment and just commit God's word um, as we head on out with the rest of our week. Because you know, we don't just want to have a good experience on a Sunday. We want to have a real encounter so that when we wake up tomorrow, we, you know, we don't go back, we go forward, we move, we take ground in the kingdom. And so, Father, we thank you so much that by your spirit, you quicken these words, you make them come alive to us. And thank you, Father, that according to your word, you have promised to answer us when we, when we call out to you. Father, we say that we, we are eager, we open our ears, we are eager to receive the instruction that you have because, Lord, you hold the keys. You know our beginning and our end. You know every waking moment of our lives and we trust in you. And we come to you with that trust and pray, Holy Spirit, that you would speak to us. Whatever that word is this morning, it could be a word of salvation, that first invitation to say yes to you. Father, it could be a word of growing. It could be a word of of repositioning where we are in relation to you. Father, it could be closing the, the gap on the following distance. Maybe we've kept you at a distance, Father. We want to we wanna take one step closer to you this morning. Whatever that word is, Holy Spirit, would you speak it to us? And we commit to responding by faith. In Jesus' name we pray. And everyone said, amen. Thank you so much, church, for your time this morning. Enjoy the rest of your Sunday, and we'll see you next week uh, for church. God bless.